Hello and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we talk about all things related to creating, living, and making. I'm Grant Alexander, and joining me as always is Adam Mackey and Morley Kurt. Tonight we have a special guest. She's someone who ensures her rope is never straight, and she's always making her way. She works with numbers by day and uses a miter saw at face level in the evenings. <laughs> Welcome, Christy, from Twisted Twine Woodworking. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good introduction there. Thank you very much for that, there, Grant. <laughs> Well, I worked on that at least a couple hours of work on that one. I was even <laughs> typing it. I was making changes right up to the last minute. <laughs> so, well, welcome. Why don't you uh, tell uh, all of our listeners who don't know who you are, who you are and what you do and all that fun stuff. Yeah, well, I'm uh, Christy. I'm in the Midwest here in the United States. And uh, I mainly do woodworking, but I've kind of explored over the last few years into a little bit of leather work and and just kind of tried my hand at a few different um, few different other things besides woodworking, but that's you know where where my heart is because you know I like to make projects that um, that are special you know and I know we all like making special projects but um, I'm really drawn to projects that have a story that have a have kind of a connection I don't sell anything uh, it, it, I'm really a hobbyist. But um, it's been a fantastic outlook or an outlet for me um, because, yes, I'm an accountant by day. And that's, you know, just so much excitement right there. <laughs> well, we wanted to have you on for the, that exact reason that you're talking about. You like to make things, not just make things that are special, but the, the, the specialness oftentimes in the projects that you do comes from the materials that you use. Um, and so we wanted to talk to you about how you find uh, materials um, and w- what the stories are and why those things are important. And then at the same time, we might also, you know, talk a little bit about some projects we've done uh, that had interesting stories as well. That sounds perfect. But, so with, I thought maybe I'd start with you. And, uh, what, what makes, I I know you work a lot with barn wood. Where Mm -hmm. did you get and why, where did you get it and why? Yeah, I actually kind of stumbled into all of this. I was raised, uh, on a farm. My, my grandfather, my, actually my great grandfather were a hundred years on that farm in central Missouri. And my dad was literally born and raised, um, on the farm, he still lives in the exact same house that he was born in, you know, 75 years ago. So as he was growing up, they were uh, cutting down trees, milling the wood into boards, building sheds, building barns, uh, building things all over the farm. And over time, that just starts to wear down. And uh, and a few years ago, one of the, one of the barns was starting to, the barnwoods were starting to come down. And I'm like, you know, that material has been in my family for, you know, 75 to hundred years. I kind of feel like I should at least try to make something with it. And I didn't, had never made anything, especially nothing, <laughs> you know, wooden. Uh, so I'm like, you know, surely I could put together a, a hall table or, or something to kind of you know, carry that material into the house, into my house, you know, away from the farm. So that's kind of how I, mm-hmm. I literally stumbled into the maker community and into making things. 
do you remember so you started making things with this barn wood but i feel like that's almost a separate thing from getting into like the online maker community so do you remember what was your first entrance point into that online community it was the the making it podcast i was because i made that first table without falling into the maker community at all or i'm sorry not the first project not the first podcast uh i made the first project uh just based on some pictures off of pinterest and just totally totally winging it and then a friend of mine just randomly on facebook had posted that he was working on a project while listening to the making it podcast and I was like, okay, well, that's, that's kind of right down my alley. Maybe I'll kind of check that out. And so, you know, Jimmy and, and Dave and Bob, they were really my introduction into the maker community. And it just so happened to be about the time um, when Jimmy was offering classes at his house or at his, at his barn there, the woodworking classes and the metalworking classes. And I I was at the point where my kids were older. I mean, they're all, I'm an empty nester. And I'm like, you know, now's my time for me. You know, I can focus on stuff that I want to do and stuff that I enjoy. And so um, I booked a ticket to, to go out to New York and spend a long weekend with total strangers. And my family thought <laughs> I was, had absolutely, you know, lost my mind because they're like, now make sure you keep us posted and make sure your um, your Snapchat has your little map on it so we can literally peg exactly where you're at <laughs> the entire time because, you know, they didn't know, you know, Jimmy or Taylor or any of the rest of the folks that were out there. And I hadn't either. I mean, I didn't know them at all. So it really was just happenstance that I ran into um, that wonderful opportunity to 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 really meet people in person and uh, learn and kind of kick off my, my making all at the same time. That's cool. I'm, I was listening to um, Jesse Ueda on Maker's Waffle, which I think is one of the best podcast episodes I've ever listened to. It was, it was like five hours and it was really (laughs) good. I would highly recommend that episode. And she had like a similar story of like, I think she had already been involved in the online maker community, but one of her first like real interactions being like forging at Steve's with Al and all of these people who went to Mm -hmm. maker central. It's interesting that like that's, that is a first experience must've been like incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was at, uh, she was at Jimmy's just so happened in, in uh, May of 2019, whenever I was there for that class and you know, I had followed or I, you know, started to follow Brett and, and Jimmy and, and Jesse on social media a little bit ahead of time. So I, I was, you know, taken aback a little bit because it, it was kind of surreal that within just a matter of a few months, I was there and learning from them and getting to interact, you know, with them. It was just such a it it was such an amazing opportunity because it was only a, there was only about seven or eight of us students. So we really did have hands-on, um, hands-on learning, especially for me being, you know, such a rookie at everything. When you were making this stuff, did you bring any of your barn wood so that you could have a story within a story within a story? 
when I went out there, I didn't take anything with me because I was, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was so new to it, but I brought stuff back. Uh, and I, I wish I would have taken an extra suitcase because I didn't realize there was a whole lot of extra material that they were just handing out to everybody that we had left over from the class. But I put in as, I brought back as much as I can or as much as I could. And I've used those pieces, um, from that first class at Jimmy's. I've used them for, uh, a maker's camp where we had a, a, a project exchange and then, uh, the one of the other swaps, the fools with tools, uh, treasure trade swaps. So there's been a few opportunities where I've actually used some of those, uh, pieces of cherry or sycamore from Jimmy's and incorporated them with materials from here in Missouri to kind of, you know, kind of go full circle on, on my story and then gift it to somebody else to kind of help incorporate into their story a little bit. In, when you're doing this, why, like, what is the, what is the, like, why behind it? Why are you, why is it so important to you to have a story in the material? I think it's just cause that's my nature. Um, you know, yeah, that's a good question because, and, and maybe it's just growing up with so much history, so much family history, um, around me my entire life. And I know that I am not a high quality maker. (laughs) I know my projects are not, I'm not doing fine woodworking. I appreciate the fact that I'm, I'm not doing that. So I want to make sure what I'm, what I'm making for somebody, what I'm giving them is a part of me or a part of something that's important to them, even though it might not have the perfect miters. It might not have the perfect, um, edges or whatever. I want them to have a connection with me or a connection to that specific piece. That's more important to me than anything. Because I think, you know, when each of us walk through our houses or apartments or whatever, and we look around at things that we've received from each other, whether it's a, a coaster that, um, Jacob made for the Mozzie group or, or one of the other various trades that we've made. Exactly. You know, those pieces, they catch our eye, don't they? I mean, it's something that reminds us of, of a good group of friends. It reminds us of a good time that we had. Um, or, you know, when, when you guys got to go to Austin's for high caliber camp, I mean, that's just, that has to make you smile or chuckle or, you know, kind of give you that extra tinge of, of feeling that connection um, just when you see those kind of things. So that's what I want. I want, I want to make someone smile or have a good memory or have a good connection to something. That's awesome. I think it's very easy to fall into making things with very little connection with that, with building a very small connection to them, especially like in 2022 when it's very easy to buy supplies on Amazon and like every maker video is inundated with generic Amazon links in the description. And I feel like there, there's a sort of push to make things that anyone could do no matter where they live, if they can order the right things online. Um, and yeah, I think there's a few things that I've done that have had a story behind the material. 
I don't know if I've, I've put a much thought in my own projects in the material being that important as much as like the process and the product itself. Um, but it's, it does add like a really amazing element and makes you treasure that thing a lot more. Right. Exactly. And I feel like that feeling is why I keep materials and never end up using them because I'm so (laughs) afraid. Like I have material, like materials with a story, with a connection are finite. I can go anywhere. I can go. If I want a walnut table, I can go to the store. I can buy all the walnut in the world. Right. But if I want walnut from my, the tree that was in my backyard growing up, I, there's a finite amount of that wood. Yes. And I'm, I don't know what I'll ever do with it and probably nothing. And then one day I'll go, why didn't I make something? (laughs) Yeah. And that's a struggle. I mean, cause I've run into that with various projects too. And it's just something I've kind of just had to accept the fact that, you know, like the cherry uh, and the sycamore from Jimmy's from 2019, I think I've used almost all of that, but I've added it to, to gifts that I feel the recipient appreciated. Um, so I'm okay with sharing it in that respect, but I am a hoarder. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I want to, <laughs> I, I, I will always think, oh, but there's something later that might be a better idea or a better opportunity, but I've just come to the, I've just have to accept the fact that it's okay to go ahead and use it now because you don't know if the next opportunity is going to come up. So you might as well enjoy and, you know, just, just put it out there. Yeah. Life is short. And I mean, I think that's another good reason too to not have to feel too bad about hoarding things unless like you don't have the space, the money, or you're really screwing over your descendants. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's got to make sure it's like relatively figured out by the time you're expecting to die. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've, it was kind of, it was kind of, it's been interesting over the last, um, you know, the last year since Marvin and I have gotten married and, and putting two houses into one house um, as to what stays and what doesn't stay. But it's whatever has the, the family history or the family connection it always gets the priority over something we might've bought from wherever. And, um, the, a few months ago, Marvin's um, unc- or aunt had passed away, and I got the the most the best compliment um, from his cousin. Marvin's uncle worked uh, at the bank, was um, president of the bank, and th- that was always a very big part of their family. And so he had a large desk that you know they're at the at the bank, and so they asked Marvin if he would like to have the desk. Um, ever since, you know, since both aunt and uncle have passed away. So he went ahead and, and took the desk, but the, the cousin had mentioned to me, she's like, over time, if the desk does not serve a function as a desk, or you'd like to repurpose it in any way, don't feel like you have to leave it as a desk. We are completely comfortable with you repurposing that hmm. desk as something else. And that was such a huge, I mean, I was just I was just blown away because I know that as a desk, that was an important um, piece of their family history of our family history now. 
And um, I, I was just, I was just so touched that they, that they entrusted me with that, that it's okay to, it's okay to repurpose. I really wish someone had ever told me this because I <laughs> have such a hard time. Uh, so my, when my mother was adopted and when her adoptive parents passed away, all the adoptive family fought over this dining room set and my mother ended up getting it. And it basically splintered the adoptive family. When my mother got divorced, she took it and it went into storage. And then when she finally got a house, the house didn't have room for this dining room set. Like it just physically wouldn't fit Mm -hmm. into this house anymore. And she basically gave it away. And I don't know what, like, because she she asked, like, does anyone want it? And everyone's like, I don't know. Like, it's a really big dining room set. Like, mm-hmm. it's not easy to fit into anyone's room. And everyone's already got dining room sets. Like, it's an, and it's, you know, a hundred year old white oak, stained black white oak dining room set. And I just, I, I wish, like, instead of it going to some stranger who, what they could have just, thrown in the garbage for all I know. Yeah. I wish I'd just said, I'll take it and I'll turn it into something. I'll make a coffee table for you. I'll do something out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, instead it's gone. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's a fine line, right? It's uh, it's the fight club quote, the things you own end up owning you. And I, that's kind of like where I find myself feeling in this conversation is, I mean, I can find it frustrating feeling like I have an obligation to hold on to something because of Mm -hmm. like, there's a certain should to it. Like, Oh, I should have this or like, you know, and then you, I feel weighed down, which is an unpleasant feeling. Um, So there's that. And then there's also the, well, like, Oh, I wish I never threw away that toy as a child or like my childhood desk. I really wish I still had that. Um, I feel like part of it might just be like maintaining a healthy relationship with your possessions in general. I I don't know if you guys feel this, but I always feel like very okay with throwing away something I've made. And the people around me are like, you're just going to get rid of that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I already made it. I'm kind of done with it. I don't, I don't want it anymore. I'll give it away or sell it or whatever else. Yeah. I felt the same way when I was, we're in the discord talking about thumbnails for the videos and everyone's like, Oh, just retake that picture of all those rattles you made. Um, and it, cause I had them like laid out five different, uh, baby rattles I made. It was like, but I took it in the, just like on the counter as a like throwaway picture, not a, not an actual trying to be a thumbnail picture. And people were like, well, just retake it. I'm like, I don't, I don't have that stuff. Like I, I don't need to keep every practice piece of, uh, you know, woodworking I've ever done. If I did that, my, you know, my, it's already enough of a stack of stuff. I don't even need it anymore, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's fun being in the, uh, in the woodworking class and like seeing the kids take home their, their not so perfect projects. And like, <laughs> they're so airheaded in leaving their things around, right? Like they'll they'll for, they'll almost forget to take home the thing they just spent 8 weeks making and i'll have to remind them like be sure, like remember to take home your your stool that you just yeah. built um because i think about like the toolbox that i made at camp which i still have and it's like it's it's not terrible but it's rough it's very rough um 
but I think it's, it is one of the things that I would find really hard just getting rid of because I've had it for long enough. And then it's, it's like the sunk cost fallacy. The longer you have it, the harder it is to get rid of. Yeah. Cause even like this little, um, one of my daughters made it and it is a, it's a cleaned out soup can and painted <laughs> with a picture of me and my girls on it with a little ribbon, uh, around the top and bottom. So I'm assuming it was some form of, um, oh, I love you, Anna, 2003. Uh, so it's pushing 20 years ago, but yeah, I mean, I still have these kind of things cause, because yeah, I, I am a hoarder. And that's <laughs> okay. Well, and that captures a moment in time much stronger than mm-hmm. like the perfect wood turned, um, pencil cup ever would. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's almost like the more imperfect something is, the more memories that it brings up, like a photo. Yeah, yeah. Like th- the perfectly posed mafia family photo at the wedding with twenty people. Like it might be a nice photo, but is it gonna bring up as much memories as like so and so aunt getting drunk next to your brother in law? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Adam, you've been really quiet this time. Uh, I'm here. Do you have? Any projects where you felt the material choice uh, had meaning to it? Mm, not really. That's I've been quiet because I don't really have much to add. I'm not. I'm not really that sentimental. I'm the opposite when it comes to materials and stuff. Like I, I never think about where it comes from or anything like that. Like I, I made the, I made a chair out of a old bed that was my wife's nans, but like, it didn't mean anything to me. It was just repurposing the material. I I don't think I've ever really made something where I think, Oh, this is from this. And that means something. And I think I, you are similar to me in a way and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like for you, the enjoyment of making comes out of the process itself. Like no matter what the material is, you like the process and that's why you do it. Yeah, exactly. I have, I have so much wood downstairs and I'm about to throw in the bin or burn and even my wife said, like, you're never going to use it. Just You're just going to buy new wood every time, which I do. <laughs> so, like, I have it, – it's it, I have all this wood that I think I'm going to use, and I have no use for it. And I always end up buying something else, unless it's something, like, I've got a slab down there that I'm going to make a desk out of. But, like, I have scraps of, like, decking and stuff that right. I'm never going to use. Yeah, all that pressure treated uh, ply, uh, pressure treated two by fours that are like impossible to find a use for that are like nine inches long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that actually that almost became my uh, day six video when Grant was pushing me to continue it another day, even though I had like negative time. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll take all these. Oh, sorry, I just hit my mic. Maybe I'll take all of these random scraps that are ugly and staple them to a, a board and burn them. So it'll be this like cool textured burned board and then 3d print like my logo to put on stilts to hold it up above. And it'll be this like really cool sign. And I think it would be a cool project, but like even that, you know, even if something is a simple project in your head, once you actually sit down and start doing it, it's like immediately, immediately, no, immediately. This is a more steps than I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. And especially cause well, I'm a, with small pieces, like once I've done a couple intarsia pieces that once you either turn pens or do anything intarsia, 
it is really hard to get rid of small, small pieces because in both cases you could use, you could really put some small pieces to really good use. Sorry, what was that word? Intarsia? Uh-huh. Yeah. The like yes. um Laughing Mantis. I don't know if you've ever seen his work. It's where they incorporate all of the different types of wood to make the picture but don't stain the wood. Oh, I've never like heard pixel, of that. Like before. pixel art. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a I didn't, Is it a knitting technique? Hmm. Oh no, it's a form of it's a thing in knitting and wood inlaying. I've never heard that yeah. before, but it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I had when I had made the rose, um, gosh, it's been a while. When I made the rose out of, you know, barn wood and walnut and oak and all the different pieces, um, the the wall art, I did not realize that was called intarsia until someone come. I just <laughs> had a stencil and cut some pieces of wood and, and put, I just kind of, you know, put it together. And they're like, oh, that's really cool, intarsia. And I'm like, I have no idea what that word means. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh. Well, I guess it's kind of a, a form of that, but, um, but you know, there, there are those that, like I said, laughing mantis does an amazing job, especially in the movie scene type, um, you know, star Wars and, and those type of things. It's just amazing. And little bitty, little itty, itty, beast, itty bitty pieces. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like paint by numbers. It's really hard to Google something when you don't know what the name of it is. I've come across that yeah. many times in projects <laughs> where I'm like, this is what I call it. Let me Google it to see if there's any synonyms. And I can like go down the search result rabbit hole of finding all the different things that people call this thing. Yeah. I wonder if we had an episode where we had a whole chat about the lingo. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that would have been good to bring up then. <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard to throw out pieces of wood that are expensive, like not not expensive in like the sense of like ebony wood or something. But like if I have like a nice hardwood and it's just a little strip of it, I find it really hard to throw it out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I could use it for something somewhere, but I never will. Just make cutting boards. Yeah, sure. I do have two layers. Okay. So Morley mentioned something. Uh, you mentioned 3D printing. And this is something where I really feel like 3D printing is the opposite of everything we're talking about. Because <laughs> you literally buy a spool of material and plastic poop it all over the place to make something. Um, and I was wondering, what are your thoughts, Christy, first, on uh, on 3D printing and whether or not there can be a story in that material? Oh, I definitely think you can incorporate that into uh, into anything with the story. And as the Discord and the folks in the Discord have shown me that 3D printing is not um, the 3D print is shown me that 3D printing is so much more functional as far as making things than I ever thought before. Because you know you could use it to frame up something or use it for the structural purpose or just to kind of give that, um, that different look. Cause not everything on a project has to be all wood or all metal. I mean, you can incorporate, Mm -hmm. uh, accents that are 3d printed. I mean, I think of, of, um, Dean's, um, dinosaur skull. 
I mean, that just, I mean, that was just yeah. the coolest looking, coolest looking thing. Um, and then even Morley and his plant uh, holders are the little plant pots. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, it's not just, I guess, just added pieces. They can really be very functional and you can incorporate whether it's um, some leather or, or wood or something metal into it. I just kind of see it as it could all kind of work together, even if not a hundred percent of the project has a specific story behind it. Yeah. And I, I mean, the material itself is only like one little part of it, depending on how like granular you want to get, you know, like wood is all just lignum and cellulose glued together in the same way that a 3d print is made of a spool of plastic. But the story in the 3D print is about like the design process and the hours of printing and troubleshooting bed adhesion issues and finishing and sanding it together in the same way as like barnwood, I feel like in some ways. I just think it depends mm-hmm. on how you want to look at the value of something. Um, I mean, I'm I have my like 3D printed puzzle box that I made over here. And I spent like I think multiple weeks like designing and printing parts for that and like the lid would just not adhere to the bed. Like it took like six tries to print the lid and the last one still wasn't even perfect. And I was like, fuck it. It's good enough at this point. It works. <laughs> and I'll just photograph the good side. Um, and <laughs> you do that all the time. yeah, I mean, I remember, no, just, so I, I just, think I remember so vividly, like the first time I saw 3d prints and just looking at them up close and staring at them and being like, this is amazing. Cause and actually in some ways, just seeing the layer lines to me was the story. Cause you can see how the thing was made in the same way of like yeah. seeing saw marks on a piece of big old lumber. Hmm. I think grants really showed me the possibilities of a 3d printer. Like for one, one hand he's printing bits of track for a hot wheels track. And the other hand he's, printing things to help him make a leather pouch for his harmonica. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I was kind of curious, uh, if I ever get a 3d printer, I would like to replicate, um, my grandmother's handwriting, like a note where she had written. Cause she would, she always sent us birthday cards. Everybody always got a birthday card and the idea of 3d printing, um, her message and then emboss that into a piece of leather. You know, I I think there's just so many ways that you could use that and put a story into, um, into leather just by using, you know, a 3d printer to, to replicate grandma's handwriting or a message, you know, that she, that she left for you. So as someone with a handwritten logo, I can tell you that it's doable. It looks really cool. Uh, you just have to make it big enough so that your slicer recognizes the very thin slanting handwriting as something that it can actually print. That's what I feel like is one of the major downsides to 3D printing is the resolution. Because once mm. you want to start doing things that detailed, a nozzle or at least like the stock nozzle that might come with your 3D printer is is kind of big for, for things like that. But if you make it big enough, it's definitely doable. And I was that's something I wanted to explore recently is like, is there a way to tell my slicer that like just make this very thin element a single extrusion and don't worry about like 
trying to figure it out. Like if there's an object there, just make it, this is like a very deep cut for 3d printing. (laughs) Um, But if anyone has tried to do that with a 3d printer, they know what I'm talking about. Um, It really goes into the point, the other point that I wanted to make. And then I feel like with me, like we're talking about sentiment with the material, but for me, the sentiment more comes from just what the object is, like what the, the finished project is like, like this TARDIS that I'm making for my mate, like the sentiment there is the TARDIS for him, not the materials mm-hmm. I used to make it. And mm-hmm. then I think that's where the 3d printer can come in, in with like, say the handwriting, the sentiment is the finished project, not the materials that you used. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just wondered if we went down this path that somehow plastic could become the material that had a story in it. Back in the day, this it, dinosaur was oil, could. and then if if you got into the process of creating your own filament, yeah, then yeah, you could melt down like an old dinosaur and make your own filament to make something. So there is something there, and that would be the same process of going through from an old barn to um, yeah, making all the material ready to use yourself. It's, it's that would be kind of cool. Take my it old is- toys and turn them into filament to make new toys for my son that he actually wants to play with. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And that's a whole subculture. (laughs) It's like people who are into plastic recycling and make their own filament. I have heard that it's really difficult to do on a small scale because like you're basically Mm -hmm. trying to do an industrial process in a home setting. So getting it consistent enough is, is pretty tricky unless you're doing like really big filament. Mm-hmm. Surely there'll be something made eventually where you can do it. Like that's going to be the next step for 3D printers, right? How to make your own filament. Oh, no, it exists. Yeah. No, it'll expensive. be more like a commercially available, Mo- like yeah, make, Mr. Mr. Like Fusion on the back of a DeLorean available <laughs> yeah. uh, thing where you just throw a bunch of garbage in it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, does anyone have any more thoughts they want to share about uh, materials and sentiment before we move on? I think mainly it's like, I don't know if I've, if I really have the experience of making things out of really sentimental materials to speak to it of like, from a level of like why it's important, but it is something that I would like to try more. And I just think about um, like living away from my childhood home and the things that I no longer have access to that I, makes me a little sad. Like a lot of things, you know, were kind of like lost in that move. Um, but it is something I kind of envy of you, Christy, is that like you still have access to all mm. of these things from your childhood that you can. Even if it's not the, the long-term history, it could be something more current. Um, like Morley, you and Eden, as far as, you know, something from an early, an early date or when you guys got engaged or something like that, whether it be, um, I, I mean, it, it just could be any number of things along the way that you guys have picked up. Cause like when Marvin and I started dating, he went to Canada, uh, on a, on a fishing trip and he brought back this, you know, uh, this, this piece of branch that uh, driftwood branch and, you know, we still kind of chuckle when we when we look at that setting out on the back deck underneath the the side table because you know that was a that him being gone for that time after we started dating was a, a huge 
um, step in our relationship. So I think whether it's somebody's looking back, oh, generations ago, I'm using something new again, but it can also be something more recent uh, and and new. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an old, old piece of material or an old, old supply. It could be something that's important to you now and that you look forward, you know, kids, grandkids. I know you don't want to be thinking about grandkids when you're still in your 20s, but you know, it's something that uh, that they might appreciate down the line. Be like, yeah, grandma and grandpa, when they started dating, this was, you know, something that they did or saw or, or used back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can also kind of look down on like kitschy souvenirs as sort of mm-hmm. like wasteful, just like unnecessary. Like, why would I spend $10 on like a keychain? from a gift store. But I guess those are the objects that sort of do live on with a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm looking around my room now and I'm like, yeah, there's, we definitely have some of those things. I just, I don't think about them very often. And it's, it's like incorporating them into and using them a different way, I think is the more right. interesting part. Mm-hmm. Like just framing something mm-hmm. isn't very interesting. Mm-hmm. As as you know, like a framed leather patch just sits on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless uh, anyone has anything else, I'll I'll move on to thanking our patrons. Um, I want to thank our F clamp level, which is our highest level. It is available only to a select few people, and there's a couple spots still open. The F clamp level is uh, Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking, Vincent Ferrari from the Because We Make podcast, and Austin from the High Caliber Craftsman. So those are our three F clamp levels, but they get access to everything, everything. And uh, everyone else gets access to uh, a pre-show and an after-show, but we do. Uh, the pre-show is about 10 to 15 minutes. The after-show is about 10 minutes. Um, there's, they're usually actually the pre-show has been the one that's been more interesting in the last couple of times. But the mm-hmm. after-show is where we like to sh- share the secret stuff. So got to listen to both. Um, mm-hmm. And every patron gets a uh, free keychain uh, made by Morley. Um, and you can find all the details about that at patreon.com slash clamp. If you don't like Patreon, hit us up and we can uh, hook you up with uh, with other means of supporting us. If you don't want to support us financially, I completely understand that as well. We appreciate if you could share the show, uh, you know, sh- share it up on your Instagram stories, uh, you know, email it around to all your friends whatever you want, tell your friends about it. Say you're listening to it while you're making something. And then mm-hmm. we might get a new listener like Christy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We appreciate that. And you can also uh, leave a review or a f- rating on your favorite podcast player. And on that note, let's go into clamp mendations. Clamp mendations. Uh, my clamp mendation is... Birch Told Design Works, Design Build, sorry. Nick made me the most amazing twisted twine mallet. And um, he was a guest on our podcast uh, in last fall. And um, so he, he sent me this um, amazing mallet. And uh, his work is just 
next level amazing on the CNC. And uh, so I definitely uh, suggest that uh, that people go and follow um, follow Nick from Birch Tool Design Build because, you know, hey, how many people CNC a fetus and encapsulate it in epoxy and attach it to the back of a tattoo parlor chair? I wow. mean... That's a multi-material. You know, yeah. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> what what a plug. Go watch me. Go watch the guy that made a fetus. Yeah. CNC to fetus. That that awesome. mallet though, that's insane. So was that say was that mallet? Did you say that was done on the lathe or the CNC? CNC. Mm-hmm. It's uh oak. So it's like you've got a rotating CNC. Yes. That's insane. Yeah, his stuff yeah. is just after watching making fun. I want that. I want to see and see like that so bad. <laughs> yeah, like seeing one in action. So cool. Nice. All right, um, Dave Momfard on Instagram at Dave underscore things. Um, he made this like super simple project that I thought was like the coolest thing ever. Basically, he spread paint on a manhole cover and then pressed a shirt onto it. And it was basically like gorilla screen printing. And it was just such a simple idea that was so cool. Um, and I think he did it in Taiwan where there's like a story behind their manhole covers and they seem to be particular by neighborhood. But I've, I've, I really love like, um, you know, looking at all the little insignias and things around manhole covers and like you find the, a monument on a bridge or something. I think part of it was studying civil engineering and, you have to look at all those things when you're doing surveying. Um, so being able to like capture that sort of like built up concrete beauty, I thought was really cool. I remember seeing a company once that did that. They go around and stamp on manhole covers and stuff on t-shirts and sell them. That's awesome. That's such a good idea. And it makes yeah. this really, cool, really um, cool sort of like speckled effect. So when you kind of like when you yeah. hand carve a stamp and you have the imperfections from where you didn't like carve down all the way and it, it just makes it look handmade. Yeah. yeah super cool. <laughs> yeah. And they do it, they do it like off the side of the shirt. So it's not the whole cover. So it's not just some big circle in the middle. Looks oh, cool. cool. That's yeah. awesome. Hmm. Uh, well, my clamp nation this week is going to be Clarkson's farm, which is Jeremy Clarkson from top gear and, grand tour i don't know if i'm allowed to say top gear there's a big thing there um but it's essentially he's like new show on amazon i don't know i think it's like a year old but he owns a farm and it's going through the process of like trying to run a farm by himself like from scratch when he knows nothing about what to do oh boy so yeah it's it's really cool and really funny like he hires some people and stuff and he buys this tractor that's like way too big for a farm but you know he has to have (laughs) the big lamborghini thing Wow. sounds just yeah. like Clarkson. But yeah, it taught me a lot about farming. And like he talks about like how like the rain affects things and like bugs come and destroy their crops. And like, it was really interesting. He's got sheep and stuff. Fun. Mm. Nice. Well, yeah. my clamp mendation is really a waste of time. XYZ Create uh, made a April Fool's uh, leather belt out of uh, a bunch of watches. And so it's a waste of time. Uh, like watch bands? 
Yeah. Well, it's actually all watches. Uh, watches. But you said a leather belt. Are they like inlaid well, with the watches? Yeah. No, nah, they're just it's it's not that exciting. Just connected it's them all together. Just, you just connected them all together. Gotcha. They have like leather leather bands. Um, <laughs> I like you just was, recommended him, and you're like, it's not that exciting. <laughs> well, no, it's not as exciting as you're like. It's an April like Fool's. In, it's, it's an April Fool's. Gym. It's an April Fool's video. It's That's the point. It's not meant to be exciting. It's meant to be funny. Yeah, waist. Yeah, gotcha. the belt. The pun. I like the pun. I like puns. W W A I S T, not W A S T. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> jokes and Morley don't get along. He doesn't get puns. It's really great. Uh, I don't get dad, so your get dad attempts jokes. at humor. That's what I understand. It's not <laughs> dad jokes. You, it's not. That's the title of the video. <laughs> it's not even his attempt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just repeating another one. Anyways, that a lot of people think is hilarious. <laughs> You wouldn't Moving get it. On. You're twisting my words. I didn't say what he said wasn't funny. No, I know. Okay, Adam, what's your Australian... For, for those who are new listeners this week, Adam likes to do an Australian word of the week. It's a slang word that hopefully isn't a slang word over here. And then we try and guess it. And the guest always gets to guess first. So, yeah. Adam, I hope you came up with a really good one. Okay, so first I want to ask, do you know what a beanie is? A hat. Like a hat? Yeah, okay. All right, so we're going to go with Barney. Barney. Uh, I'm assuming it's a a bonnet. B-A-R-N-E-Y. That's what I was thinking. Oh. No, no, so... I was going to do beanie, but you know what it is, so I'm I'm changing the word completely. Oh, okay. So it's not... I don't think it has anything to do with it. It's not related at all. Oh, okay. I'm with you. So it's a Barney... Um, a Barney. It's not necessarily a thing. Gosh. Um, Can you spell it? B-A-R-N-E-Y. Is it some type like of... It's something um, with B-A-R... I was just going to say, I feel like it's something with B-A-R-N in it, and then you're adding E-Y to the end. No. I was going to guess it had something to do with food service or a waiter. (laughs) What what is he guess, Grant? My guess is it's a generic term for a guy. No. All right, I'll use it in a sentence. I was at the pub having a good time and I had a Barney. Ended up getting into a Barney. Oh, Oh, a a fight? fight? Bar fight? Yeah, argument and a fight. Oh. So I was kind of right. Wow. It had a B-A-R in it, and then you added knee to the end. Well, it's not bar fight. It's just an argument or fight. Oh, so it's not a fist not, fight. Not, it's not necessarily a, a bar fight. It's just a fight in general. Oh, okay. Huh. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't have to take place at a bar. It's just like an argument. No. Yes. Just an argument or a fight. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, I wouldn't have got that one in a thousand years. Thanks a lot for the Adam's Australian <laughs> Word of the Week. And I also want to thank TF Turning for our uh, theme song. And I, of course, want to thank Christy for coming on. Christy, can you tell everyone where's the best places to find you? Twisted Twine Woodworking on Instagram and YouTube. I do not have a TikTok or I guess right. I technically have a Facebook, but 
Instagram. It's been about a year and a half since I put a YouTube video up because there's been a few things going on in the last year, but um, hopefully I'll have uh, more videos eventually coming up by the time the shop build is done. And do you have a podcast people can find you on? Yes. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Everyone uh, forgets yes. about their podcast. Bob did the same thing. <laughs> uh, Making Our Way podcast. I am co-host with Dean DePlantis and Austin from High Caliber Craftsman. We uh, release on Tuesdays. So we are the day after you guys. And um, so, yeah, we just hit our one year anniversary of doing the podcast and uh, anyone that's listened knows that we focus on projects and it's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been a learning experience and it was, as I'm assuming you guys know too, podcasting is not as easy as I thought it was just sit down and just blarty, blarty, blarty. And it's a little more involved, but it's yeah. been a lot of fun. I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. There's a lot nice. behind the scenes. And, mm-hmm. and like imagine imagine podcasts that have to actually do research. Yeah. Yeah. Like proper like they're trying to tell a story. Like that it's it's amazing how much is behind the scenes. I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just have a chat with some people and then just chuck the chuck up the recording, but like there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, now that you've told everyone where they can find you on a weekly basis, uh you can find all of us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube uh, by searching Clamp and sometimes Morley Adam Grant. Sometimes that works. You know what's really funny? If you just go Clamp Grant Alexander, I don't even show up in most podcast searches. I'm like, what the? What's happening here? Anyway, <laughs> that's another thing. Thanks, ever. Thank you so much, Christy, for coming on, and thanks everyone for Thank listening. You. Now to the after show. Bye. See you.